What if there were a bigger story than disability? You're listening to more conversations at the center of the movement to build connection and belonging in an age of isolation. So in this episode, you'll hear from Bridget. She has been through the transformation that Starfire went through from being a congregated day program to the work we do now in the community, connecting people one-on-one to meaningful, sustaining relationships. Bridget talks about how when things began to shift at Starfire to be more about community building, she began to see how important it would be for her own family to be part of the community where they were and decided to start building community in her own life. Bridget Vogt, and I have worked at Starfire for um, 20 years in a variety of ways. That's two decades, so that's a long time. Mm-hmm. So what, what's been those variety of ways? When I first started, it was just office help and doing the outings that we had in the evening and weekends. You know, a few years after that, we started a day program, so I started that, doing the day program. A few years into that, we started Starfire U, so I worked in both, and then just Starfire U, and now doing one-on-one work with people and their families. Mm-hmm. So. What do you think has changed in the way that you like show up to work from then and now, and what has stayed the same? Well, I'd say there's just a different way of showing up um, when you're starting your day with a room of 12 people or... 15 or 20 people with disabilities versus showing up and talking to one person at a time. Mm -hmm. There's a much different energy, there's a different effort, there's a different priority that is just the reality of probably day program life. You know, you're hoping everyone gets along and everybody can say they had a pretty good day and I think the days of working with a group of people at a time It is more about being an entertainer and showing people a good time and keeping them happy and building them up. Now, working just with one person at a time, it's still about building them up and making sure they're confident, but it's not quite, it's not quite the same. Like, entertainer keeps coming to mind. Like, the people that were really successful as staff in the day program were the people with big personalities who drew people in with just who they were naturally and who could almost perform if that makes sense. They were a good storyteller or funny and all those things. Um, And that's not necessarily as useful or as needed with just one person. So you're still building into the person to help them understand who they are and that they're a good person, that they have gifts to give and what are they and figuring all that stuff out. I mean, that's kind of the biggest difference is working with one person and thinking, what are we going to, you know, where do you belong? What do you really, you know, what do you do? Like, what are you going to be happy doing? Yeah, so it's like a little bit more of a in-depth conversation when you're sitting with somebody. You don't need to just be the entertainer. You need to be the deep listener and overshadowing a person by being too enthusiastic or too much of the entertainer could give the opposite effect when you're working just with one person at a time. Yeah, I think that's possible. Like, I definitely think that's happened. You know, we're working to help people meet people, and if you kind of take over... And don't let that person who you're working with shine more than you, then you're not doing a very good job. Yeah. So you you stayed through this change and you've had to turn on different parts of you or skills and strengths that, that you have during the change. And so what's been really consistent about the work? Obviously, that's kept you here doing it. Well, I think 
we have, one way or the other, throughout these times, we did what we thought was best, and that's still the case. Like, I care a great deal about all the people we've met with disabilities out there, and to recognize that appealing to a group of people doesn't change what happens in their lives in 10 years. Letting that sink in and figuring out how to do something that hopefully will mean something in 10 years Mm -hmm. with or without my presence is the bigger key too. So I think that's, I mean, that's what keeps me here is um, the belief that what I'm doing is going to matter in 10 years to these people that I know. Mm. So obviously like a deep well of love or care for people with disabilities is consistent in Mm -hmm. you. Like you, you showed up in both worlds with that. Yes. (laughs) With that intention. Yeah, Yeah, I'd say so. There wasn't a whole lot of outside forces, you know, drawing or keeping me, or there are plenty of potentially simpler things to do out there in the world. Definitely probably more lucrative things to do out there in the world. That's not where my heart was or what I felt called to do. Mm -hmm. So, and Starfire seemed like a good place at the time when we started here. Yeah, Starfire had something different even back then, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. than, than other places. And it was founded by family members yeah. who were looking for a better way. And so that, that thread of intentionality and family-drivenness has kind of carried through. One of the things you told me before this podcast around building community was that if we want other people to to learn how to build community or to do it on their own we really have to do it ourselves take me back to when things did start to shift to starfire being more of a community building place for people with disabilities to connect to the community and what what was your involvement in the community when that change started to happen you know before anyone saw any changes at starfire before it started to change tim and i and mainly tim started doing a lot more learning around topics like asset-based community development, ABCD, and being introduced to some concepts that we had not heard of or knew anything about and kind of working through those and kind of wrestling with some of the things that we were learning with. You know, if there is this belief that the community is the answer, it sounds great that the community could be the answer, but we don't always see it. But part of why I think for us what we had to acknowledge was well, our community is not our answer. Like we've lived in Bellevue for three years and we don't know anyone. We only know two of our neighbors and that's probably about it. And Mm -hmm. we go to work and we come back and then we had some old friends from like college and high school. And those are who we see, not our neighbors. That was sort of the beginning of noticing like we don't really know our neighbors. So of course, this idea of community being the answer is just ridiculous. But is it ridiculous or is it just that we haven't tried And if this is possible, if community is the answer, then we probably need to figure out what community is Mm -hmm. and what does it look like and what what are we doing to be active in our community. So describe Bellevue. Describe what that neighborhood's like. It's one square mile in Kentucky on the river. Is that it? (laughs) Yeah, one square mile. Oh, wow. You didn't know we were that little? No. No, so it's pretty small. Hmm, What else would you say? I mean, it's overall like a working class neighborhood. How many people in one square mile? I don't know. It's pretty concentrated. Like, there are a lot of houses. I mean, it's urban. There's, you know, Mm -hmm. houses are very close together. There's not a lot of yards. Yeah. There's a big, there's a great little main strip there with coffee shops and... like your typical main street. Mm Mm-hmm. Kind of on the river. Mm Mm-hmm. Close to it, yeah. Okay, so when you're thinking back to that time and you're just learning these 
new concepts uh, around community building and you're looking at your neighborhood and you're like, okay, there's, we don't have any connections here. Did you have any revelations at that time or what started to shift and how did you start building community? Tim was a little more, I know he, he had been to Peter Block and John McKnight and they had been talking about neighborhood interviews and truly going and finding people and interviewing. And and Tim did that. Like he was like, all right, the challenge is I've got to meet five different people. I'm going to interview them on their gifts and talents. And and then he was like, you should too. And I was like, maybe in a more informal way. What was your hesitation around that? Yeah. I mean, one, it's weird, right? Like this is an awkward beginning of like, hey, stranger or someone that I've just seen in passing, could we sit down and I'll interview you? I think um, anyone would say once they've done it, it's not weird at all. It's just the hurdle of asking. Because I think I did talk to a few people, but I didn't. I would just kind of talk to them. Instead of, like, scheduling it, I would just sort of be in a conversation and kind of work my way through what the interview probably would be. So, like, what what are your talents, interests, you know, like, passions, yeah, skills, what do you like but, to do? So, yeah. So you kind of start with the low-hanging fruit. Yeah. I already know them. I started yeah. with the easy-peasy, yeah. hey, friend that I already know. Um, and then we started um, We started talking about doing starting a community garden in Bellevue. I wanted to do it. One of the people, like we already knew, was interested in doing it. And then that kind of grew out of there. Like, okay, throw it out to the masses. Like, who would want to start a community garden? And So once you start talking to neighbors, you start to kind of plot ideas. I feel like that's a natural thing that happens just with people is once you get to talking, you start to talking about what would be great in our neighborhood. Right. And that conversation just kind of naturally evolves, right? Like it probably pretty informally in the way that, that your conversations evolved. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think so. Like, what would you want to do? Oh, do we have this here? So did you find that like, there are people who are really driven, motivated to get something creative off the ground. Like, okay, we'll do all the plans for the garden. And then there are the people who step in once it's there and say, yeah, we're going to establish this and make it set. I don't know. There were some people that were pretty interested in the beginning. But they had some pretty, like, they were, randomly enough, when I went to community garden training, there were two other people that I'd never met from Bellevue. Is that how you got started, was just to go and learn how to do it? At, at- <laughs> that was one of my commitments, as I okay. said, I'm going to, well, I thought that would give, one, it would be interest, helpful, probably. Okay. And all the, like, powers that be were very supportive. Like, the Neighborhood Association, the people that were there at the time were like, people have talked about it, but they've never done it. And I was like, well, I'm really going to do it. Like, I'm already signed up for the class. Sure, like, go for it. Yeah, we'll support this, and we'll, you know, you can do it under the Neighborhood Association umbrella and... Had you gardened before? Just in the backyard a little bit. I mean, I'm not, I still would say I'm not an expert gardener. Whatever. You plant seeds, they grow. Maybe they don't. It's okay. I like that approach. You just, you just keep going. And that's why it does, like, and that's what's, um, that's what's great about it because the weather is unpredictable. The seasons are unpredictable. Like, there's no guarantee that just because you did it well last year, you could do the exact, you could Mm -hmm. think you're doing the exact same thing. And it's not. I really like that because I think there's a lot of wisdom in that for people who want to do something that they don't know how to do and maybe think they'll never know how to do or be experts at. And for something like gardening, that can be really intimidating. And what you're saying is that, like, it's okay even if it fails. The whole point isn't necessarily. (laughs) And that would be my perspective on it. Yeah. And our, like, what I bring to the community garden. I think I was talking about how there were two people at that training 
who wanted to grow their own food. They had plans to make a community garden. They wanted to sustain their living. They wanted to plant enough food to, like, last their, like, they wanted to eat off their land. Okay. But it wasn't going to be their land. It was, like, some neighbor's property that was an empty lot. And we kind of parted ways because they were very serious about, like, we will be producing enough food for ourselves and... The difference between the lot that they already thought they could use and some of the lots like empty, like some vacant property that we were looking at. They're like, oh, there's not enough room, not enough room. And I was like, not enough for for what? But like my idea was not going out to produce enough food to support all of Bellevue. It was always going to be a community garden, a place to meet, a place to garden, a place to enjoy each other. Yeah. And hopefully get some vegetables out of it. Mm -hmm. So meeting those people at first was so exciting. And then it was like, this is a struggle. They were not interested in the community aspect. The community aspect of it is what, yeah, is what, (laughs) and that's what you went to people with wasn't, do you want to go grow vegetables? It was, do you want to be part of a community that is growing vegetables? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like bring your kids. That's the key. We won't care. Like, yeah. No hardcore rules, no, you know, some of those strict regulations. So then how did the the potluck evolve? There was ourselves and another um, family, the Salzmans, who I guess they just decided we should try it. There wasn't a whole lot of planning involved other than like, we'll do it once a month. We'll have it at the city building and that's it. And we don't know what will happen, but yeah, I think it was mainly them and just saying like, well, it might just be the four of us and kids who show up and we'll just see what happens from there. And so during this time too, you guys are starting to shift a little bit of your patterns about how you live in your neighborhood. Can you talk about some of those smaller micro things that you've done to build community and ways that you've also met neighbors because, you know, it helps to have that warm invitation where it's not just a flyer going out. What were the ways you got to kind of know more neighbors so that you could make those invites? I think a lot of it was, I mean, one, the coffee shop became much more of a hub. So there were people coming and going and just running into people and saying hello. There were programs that our kids did, like there was a basketball program with young kids. And and we walked around, I think we went around to a few different people and talked to them about like a potluck. Hey, would you come? You'd be welcome. There was a neighborhood group started on Facebook too. And I love that you guys do stuff in your front yard too. You do. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We usually have our fire pit out there. So we'll sit out there and, um, you know, Halloween we have, we sit out there with a fire and some hot dogs or just any time and... There's quite a few kids in our neighborhood, especially at this point, um, that just kind of wander around, hang out, looking for stuff to do. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing that, they can come and hang out. And sometimes their parents come with them. Sometimes it's a formal, like, hey, we're having a fire pit. Who wants to come? But Yeah. And the same spirit happens at the garden, right? Where people just kind of walk by and they see it. So mm-hmm. that's an invitation. So yeah. And I've taken, like, I have gone to the school and done, a, like, with the after school program pretty much since the beginning, brought a group, you know, weekly or however often worked in their schedule. So there were a lot of kids then that I got to know who I would meet their parents somewhere, like in the grocery or whatever, and be like, oh, hi, I know you. And then they'd have to explain (laughs) who was this lady. And then there's definitely people that walk by. Still people are like, what is this? Like 10 years later, like we have a community garden. And, And the community garden is a communal. Like that was the other thing that we did. Like it's not as if you pay a membership due and get so much property or square foot bed. Mm-hmm. It's just everybody gardening together. So that if somebody is just to come once, 
it's not as if they have to wait till next year to get their bed mm-hmm. or whatever. They come and they can do whatever they like, whatever we're doing. Everybody works on it together. And same thing with kids and everything. So, I mean, taking it back to when you guys were first looking at Bellevue and saying this is this is kind of not a place where we can build community to today. It just seems like I don't think that we I don't think we thought we couldn't build. We just hadn't. Yeah. Or like, I guess, we just didn't know what community was like. Yeah. To sit back and say like, oh, yeah, when we grew up, we did talk to the, all these neighbors and. You know, like we did run this, like I did run around with my neighbor friends. Mm -hmm. There were five or six kids that I was allowed to go around the block. And I just think we as adults had not even attempted. Okay. Like we were just the people coming in, in and out our front door, parking, getting out, getting in the car, going to work, coming home and staying home or going out with out somewhere else. Mm -hmm. And we just had that shift as like, well, what is going on here in Bellevue? we should be a part of this. Mm-hmm. Like, if this is where we're going to live, let's live here. It shifted from work and people we know from work or old college friends that we're going to go visit and see to shifting to, like, well, who are our neighbors? You know, maybe we thought that the neighborhood itself wasn't very welcoming. Like, when we look back, we're like, well, nobody welcomed us. Like, what the heck? But then we're like, well, we've been here long enough. We are we are the people that have lived here. Like, we should be the welcomers. Mm-hmm. So I think we just kind of recognize our own our own role if we want our community to look a certain way, we've got to do it. Mm-hmm. We can't wait and think, well, nobody else did that. So I guess it doesn't exist. It's just not part of our That's just not a thing. neighborhood. Yeah. And there's also something that you almost don't want to impose on people. It's like, well, I don't really, nobody else is doing that here. So probably that means people don't want it. And if we tried, we'd be imposing or we'd be asking people too much. But I, I'm wondering too, is there something to the rhythm of, the garden and the potluck that has allowed for this then to take shape? I don't know. I wanted to make a community garden. I think that as far as like where is your energy best, like where what gives you energy, what makes you happy is a big factor. So if it's going to make you miserable to garden, mm-hmm. then you're probably not going to be the person to start the community garden. Right. Like you might help do some aspect of it, but going to the garden overall is a fun time for me. I enjoy it makes me happy love when new people come love when old people show up versus trying to do something that just because I think it's a good thing to do if Mm -hmm. that makes sense like there's definitely been times and roles that I have taken on because oh wouldn't you be willing to do you know would you be willing to do this for us you know you'd be really great at that Mm -hmm. okay I can do that for you know I'll commit to that role and then realizing like this is killing like this Mm -hmm. just makes me miserable Mm -hmm. why did I say I'd do this but now I've said I've done it, so I'll do it, but I've got to step out quickly. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think that's more like there are plenty of ways to build community and plenty of things that you can do. Um, I think it's just making sure you're enjoying them. Mm-hmm. And then it's also possible, you know, to make sure you're enjoying them with the right people. I think that's, you yeah, know, some of those. Yeah, an eye out for who is going to be in the same yeah who has the same motivations as you versus being like oh well if you're willing you know sometimes you'd agree just to have help yeah <laughs> to have anyone on board to do something yeah but if it's you know what you want and you're going the wrong direction you might just be really disappointed you can be discerning when you build community and it doesn't mean you're not a good neighbor yeah and I think the other things like that we've done like the potluck we were very conscious of doing things that are simple keeping it simple don't make it complicated don't you know promise gourmet meals we have never said that we are going to you know the tables and everything will be set up at 5 30 and 
we will have brought the main dish or anything like that. Like it is um, kind of from the, the more people come, the more comfortable they are. Like, oh, it starts at five o'clock and that means we just get here at five o'clock and we start setting tables up and chairs and arranging the room. It doesn't mean at five o'clock dinner is served and you've walked into like a dinner party that's, you know, with tablecloths. Yeah. It's very laid back. You know, we make sure that there are plates, which actually on Sunday we kind of ran out. But, oh, well, people figured it out. Yeah. <laughs> they reused some. So ate off the cake plates. Like That's the part that stresses me out about a potluck. When I hear it and I think of hosting it, I think I have to bring the main dish. I have to be the one to set up everything. And you figured out a way to make that. We've just kind of set it up with the expectation of one, there's not really a host like um, Ryan will put it on uh, the Facebook group. He'll set the dates and you know, the event is every fourth Sunday and that's kind of done for the year actually. Between a few of us, we throw in paper plates and forks every once in a while. So yeah. And just kind of knowing like we could have set the bar really hard high from the beginning But I think at that point, we were aware enough to know that that would wear us down. Mm -hmm. And that then we began to, we wanted to make sure it would be nothing any of us dreaded going to. And that's not going to keep it going. And how could you ever go on vacation or have a... Right. And if we're not there, what do you do? And nobody, you know, luckily there's not a key. We just asked the, um, the way Bellevue works is we just call the police and they have a bill, they have the key to the building and they let us in. And now anybody that get the early birds know that. So mm-hmm. if we're not the first people there, the other first person knows, oh, I just call this number and they'll mm-hmm. come and they'll let us in and then we can get the tables out and we'll start moving things around. I mean, that all took time, you know, I think, um, but but yeah. I think just to be cautious or thoughtful about if it's something you want to do for a long time, what is it that you will enjoy doing mm-hmm. and that won't drain you yeah. over the long haul? And how often do you go to the garden? How often are you? In the season now, we'll go twice a week. Okay, and are you going at a set time when everyone else is mm-hmm. coming to? Yeah, Wednesdays, 6.30. So you have garden, garden hours. Sunday at 9.30. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So those are the established, and they kind of shift from year to year, but usually it's like Wednesday, like one of the, like Wednesday night and that's Sunday morning. Okay. How many people would you say are showing up to these different things? Is that Does that even matter? How important is that to you? Um, hmm. It's great when there is a crowd. There's probably like 30, 40 people plus kids. Like, at the potluck. And then some kids, yeah, at the potluck. Um, but starting off, it yeah, was it just, just you it, and the Salzman. Well, right? a couple more people came. And yeah. even then, like, obviously, in the time that we've been doing them, the who shows up and who is still showing up has changed. Right. Um, same thing with the garden. Like, some of the people that were really helpful and got us, you know, came and did some hard work at the beginning. You know, one couple's moved out of Bellevue, another one is still semi-involved actually a couple people have moved out you know like so some people that were pretty involved are gone and now it's a different wave of people almost and then there's people that you know for some of those people that were a part of the community garden they never came to a potluck that wasn't their scene we even though it is kind of a close like Bellevue's pretty small so you could be conscious of like oh they've never shown up once Mm -hmm. but it's not their thing so I think to just keep that because I think when you first when things first get started and they're sort of in that fragile state of beginning, it is sort of personal, right? And you think like, oh, how come they're not coming to the garden? I thought they said they'd help and they've never shown up and you could take it personally. But then again, another part of living in a neighborhood for your life is expecting you to live by these same people. So if you want to hold a grudge mm-hmm. about the fact that they said they show up and they didn't, you probably aren't going to be great. You know, like, yeah, this is a lifetime of living. So... 
let's not hold a grudge about the time they said they'd show up or why didn't they and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, Because that's not necessarily going to help build community either. One of the things that I'm wondering now is if it it is a new neighbor and they want to get involved in the garden, do they contact you? If If they do want to come to the potluck, is there a main person there to kind of coordinate things or... I think the Facebook group is a okay. pretty big communication device for everyone. Okay. And that shows the times. And then if somebody asks a question, then the person tags my name or somebody else in there to say, hey, they want to know about this. Or, okay. you know, I think Facebook's a big driver, I feel like, as far as communication that I've had. And then it might be like a personal message or a text from somebody who's met. You know, maybe they live next door to somebody who had that question and they say, oh, Here's her phone number, or I'll text her, and or I'll email. You know, like so. You are text. you are the main contact for a lot of these questions for the garden. I mean, for the garden, I yeah. am. Yeah. Um, I don't know that anybody really reaches out for the potluck as much as they would just show up just and be like, up. "What is this? Yeah. Who should I talk to?" And then people would probably point at a few different people to talk to. Okay. There. So when people come to you, I guess if they see you as the coordinator of the garden, especially. And they come to you and they have like a brand new idea for the garden or they want to implement something. And being in that role as the main contact, how do you deal with that? How do you respond? Um, usually it's, that sounds great. You should, you can do it. <laughs> um, just recently we had a big, um, one of our neighbors was part of Crossroads and she was leading the Go Local effort in Bellevue. And she wanted to do it at the community garden. And she was like, I've got some ideas. And I was like, I'd love to hear them. And there they wanted to put in a pergola and at some point a grill. The grill didn't happen, but the pergola is up. And it's like, that would be amazing. Yeah. That'd be great. And they did it. So I think um, there have been many suggestions like at the potluck, we should use silverware all this plastic. And I'm like, I hear you. And I was like, I bring my own, <laughs> right? Like my answer to that is me and my family. We have the dishes we come here with and we take them home. So you bring your own set of dishes and silverware? I do. Oh, that's smart. But I provide the paper yeah. ones as well. Yeah. But one of the people that comes like, we should really, I mean, shouldn't we, we should all have, we should just have silverware here. And I'm like, if you want to bring it yeah. and take it home and wash it, I would love it. But I also am making it clear that I'm not volunteering to do that. To like, clean everybody's I am taking home these the five the these five plates and these five forks because I would really probably resent everyone as I wash their dirty oh my dishes, gosh, right? Yeah. But I would love yeah. it. If somebody really was motivated and was like, I'm gonna do this and I this is my thing I'm gonna do every month, I would totally support that. Yeah, I mean, it's it goes back to do what you want other people to do, like sort of be the change by living it. I, I think people forget what an individual looks like versus what an organization looks like. Mm. It, it's, yeah. it's like an organization who runs a potluck would probably take that and maybe implement a new system of dishwashing because they right. could. But an individual or a family... Are organized like it's your month. Yeah. I can imagine like the rotating... No. Who knows? Who knows what any organization would do, but yeah. But that's the slippery slope of it getting really t- entangled and enmeshed in this sort of process, this agenda, this like structure that ends up ki- killing the spirit of it. Yep. Now when you're looking at your neighborhood, Bellevue, what does community look like? What would be like a key image? There's a few... That come to mind, like one, it is the ability for my what like Patrick, who is old enough and friends live with it. He just walks around and finds friends. 
like that's a pretty great image for me like that's kind of his classic line at this point is I'm gonna go out and find some friends I'll be back that's a pretty big deal for your kids to be able just to go out and find some friends to play with I don't know there's a lot of images you know we just had the memorial day parade and we weren't in the parade but knew (laughs) waving at all the groups walking by and how many people we knew or as people go to sit down or as we go to sit down and Talking, you know, knowing so many of the people that are around, like that's a pretty great. It's a big day for Bellevue. I feel like the mm-hmm. Memorial Day Parade, but um, pretty great. Do you ever feel the need to go back in time to this hidden life of pulling in from work and going in the house and not talking to any of your neighbors? Is there ever a time where you, where you not regret, but wish you could be more undercover? I guess in your neighborhood. Hmm. I don't think so. No, like I said, I think there is the things you kind of learn about being in community and being around your neighbors of knowing like how far to take what you think is personal feelings, right? Like, oh, you hurt my feelings. Um, And kind of working and being aware of your own who you are and why that hurt your feelings. And like, don't hold on to that forever. Because I could find a way to probably be upset with a lot of people. If I wanted to. Yeah. Right? Like if you, I mean, we could find hurts everywhere or slight grievances, whether they're real or not. Whole nother story. But if I wanted to take that as a personal affront for what they've said or not showing up or. Or even just differences in political opinions. (laughs) That would be a big one right now. Yeah. Yeah. Like stuff like that. Like Facebook profile, like what somebody said on Facebook or on the group page, you know, like how much do you engage in those conversations that people get started? So, so no, I don't. But at the same time, I think there have been moments of struggle where you have to sit down or you feel challenged and like, okay, this is what community is about. It is about you can be this person and we can still talk about our kids being friends, even though we have this, we are not alike (laughs) in a lot of ways. That part of it, I think, is almost what's most magical, is when you can actually get to a place where you can be common with people who you're so different from, and you can feel connected and familiar with them, even though you might never have chosen them, but they're your neighbor. So it's kind of like family, but in a different way. It is. And it's not, I mean, you know, like to paint this picture, like there are plenty of people that don't want to know me in Bellevue. Like it's not as if the whole neighborhood is all sharing, you know, like there are those people who think a community garden is a waste of space. Mm. That's fine. There were people when we first started that thought we were taking away a place for kids to play. We can win them over or just... Ignore them. You know, like, I mean, they'll either be won over all with time. And I mean, it's not as our intent, it's not as if we're hiding some intention, other than I don't know if some people are suspicious of, like, why are you doing this? But also, what's your, what's your, what's your end goal? Yeah. And I think there have been some people that have asked me that. I'm like, um, uh, what do you mean, end goal? Like, we're going to get to know each other. Isn't that enough? But that's not enough. Like, some people just don't, I don't know, people have suspicious natures, I think, sometimes and don't understand that you could just be doing it. I mean, I don't know how many times Tim has been asked if he's going to run for mayor. He's not. Mm. Or city count, like, are you running for something? Like, no. Some people thought I worked at the school. <laughs> like, well, you're a teacher there, right? I'm like, no, no, I just live in Bellevue. But, like, people's concepts of why people do things, yeah. you know, it's your job to do them, I think is one. 
um, versus like, no, this is actually just what I do for fun. Like, this is my hobby. Yeah, and, and it, I think the intrinsic motivation behind why you're doing something or if you were trying to get something out of it, even if it wasn't, this is my job or um, I'm trying to run for city council, if it was something even less tangible than that, like I want to do this so that I am, uh, so that people like me because I'm a good neighbor. I want to do this so everyone's going to thank me and love me for this garden (laughs) at the end of it. And I'm going to be, you know, well-renowned. So even that gets you in trouble because there are the people who say, you took away my this, this, or this by doing it. There's just, you can't make everybody happy. Or like you said, you can't win everybody over. So your motivation has to be pretty, I would even think it gets whittled down to being just a pure motivation of like, (laughs) the only reason I would do this is because I love it and I I want to be with the community. Mm-hmm. The community doesn't have to all love it, but if some people do and we can enjoy it together, then right. that's enough. And yeah. I can see though where that would be really hurtful to be like, but wait a minute, especially in the beginning, like, wait, I'm not trying to hurt anyone. Why is this being <laughs> like, misconstrued? Why? Why would you mock my garden? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. What do you think this is? But Yeah. Yeah. So you I mean, you know, and that's kind of one of the like learning you know, take your toys and go home <laughs> or stick it out and mm-hmm. see what happens and yeah. see who comes around and all things with time. It's, sometimes it's hard at this point to be like, wow, it's been 10 years. You know, it's almost 10 years of growing. And what is it? what did it look like then? And what were the struggles when we started versus what are they now? And, you know, I think overall I'm like, struggles now, like, puh. There's not really like, but we kind of went over some of the hurdles mm-hmm. and kind of, and now it's just like, I don't stress mm-hmm. about it a lot. You know, if people's expectations when they come to the potluck are let down because there wasn't a greeter at the door or there's yeah. not assigned seats or whatever they had in their mind of what it would look like. And it's not, they may come and be disappointed because it wasn't organized enough and mm-hmm. they really think it should be organized. And they probably don't come back. Mm-hmm. And that's too bad. I wish they would. But at the same time, this maybe is not where their energy is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, they would be really stressed out about our lack of. So loose structure just kind of lends itself to anybody being able to fit in at the same time. So there are um, people who come to the potluck who do not always bring a dish for whatever reason. They don't cook. Maybe they can't afford the meal Mm -hmm. or whatever. Mm -hmm. Nobody's checking at the door, right? But so we can all show up a little differently and bring a different gift. Yeah. I mean, and that ties pretty directly to um, our work, right, and all that we have done. Like, not everybody, the stricter the ways are, the more exacting and perfect you have to be. Like, I mean, at the community garden, I don't, it would be really hard for groups of kids to show up at our community garden if you can't touch this and you can't touch that. And if you step there and I knew that I was not going to organize, I was not going to manage 10 plots and 10 people's opinions on how each plot should look. Mm -hmm. I was like, heck no. That's one of the things a lot of people, garden managers, community garden managers do. Okay. So, yeah. So it has a lot of your spirit in it and whatever community effort is built has the person who starts it that has their spirit in it. So, Let's take it back to Starfire's work real quick. Where is this type of community building that you're doing in your own life? Where is it showing up in your work at Starfire? And how is it influencing your work with people with disabilities one-on-one? Do you think you'd be able to do the same type of job if you weren't doing this at home? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I could. I can definitely 
I know I believe in the community building work. Like I've seen it, I've lived it in my own life and seen how if we had not changed or shifted what we were doing around our own neighborhood, I don't know what our kids would be doing. Because of how we've shifted and lived, I know that there is a lot of good thing, a lot of potential out there mm-hmm. for communities to build up around. So I think that helps motivate the work. But I think I could do it even if I hadn't. I may not quite understand all the ins and outs. I wouldn't have had the experiences to understand or to think through some of the things. But some of that, they, you know, they've also probably played off each other too. So your work at Starfire has kind of informed your yeah. role at, I mean, in your neighborhood and vice versa. I would say it ha- Yeah. It How has. can it not? So you're like, <laughs> I don't know how they wouldn't have at this yeah. point, but... I'm sure they've definitely influenced each other. That's the work-life blend, I think, that was talked about in the beginning of this change at Starfire. It's not that we have to take our work home and do our work at home. It just means that our work is actually a way of life, and we do it everywhere. We do it at, at our work, but we don't clock out and go home and be sucky neighbors because it mm-hmm. kind of just influences the way you live everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Why do you think it's important for you to do this work in people with disabilities' lives or with well, people I think with the, disabilities? What I've seen like in our own world, and I think with some of the people that have started projects um, as families too, is that it kind of spurs on the next thing. So by starting something, it kind of opens another door. It's it's a you know the ripple effect of all of it. So I think that you know if somebody starts something in their neighborhood and then. Um, you know, you don't necessarily have to do it all. Like, there are people that will be motivated to start something else. And yeah. Maybe you just, then you just show up to support them or tell them they did a great job later on. It's not you for everything. Um, but I definitely think for more people to know each other is good for everyone. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mm-hmm. So what is your hope for the next 10 years? Um, in, in the next 10 years, let's say 10 years from now, what is your hope for Bellevue? I think it's hard because I'm kind of like, I don't know, Bellevue's pretty great right now. Like, it doesn't need to change anymore. Like, we should just, but I'm sure there will be change in 10 years. Um, and that hopefully will all be good change. So, my hope is that it is just a welcoming, happy community for everyone and continues to be that. And in 10 years, that my sons, who would then be young adults, would want to be there too. Mm-hmm. Like, that's the place where they would want to be as well and feel as strongly connected as they do now mm-hmm. and maybe carry through with some of the work that you guys have maybe said I can't imagine I mean, in their own way yeah. they could be doing something else yeah. I have no doubt that they will be doing something maybe they'll run for mayor maybe no. one of them will well, be I don't the know. one to run for mayor we'll see, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> which one would that be no telling yeah alright well thank you thank you Katie Thanks so much for listening. To learn more about Starfire, head over to our website, starfirecincy.org.